Great. Welcome, everyone. Uh, we have a amazing start to the community call. We have uh, good to see quite a bit of uh, new faces. Um, so the Intelligent community calls happen every month uh, uh, during our month uh, community calls. We invite the community to share and discuss the project that are built on the Interledger protocol. And this is a great place to get news from across the community and ask any questions that you have from the people who are directly involved with the projects. And um, without further ado, I would like to start with uh, inviting Alex to share updates from the Interledger Foundation side. Alex, over to you. Thank you. That was very unexpected. <laughs> I was expecting it first today. Um, so let me um, start with the uh, the summit. The summit is always the most important thing we do, and that's uh, literally a month away, exactly a month away. Um, if you were a speaker, uh, you probably already got an email from us telling you about the next steps um, and what happens next. We have finished selecting the speakers. We're going to make the live announcement on Monday morning. Uh, we're trying to finalize the schedule for that. Uh, we're really, really excited. So far, we've got 150 people with tickets. It's a bit more than we expected. We were expecting around 100 people. It's good to see that a month in advance there's 150 people who want to come to the summit. We have made the decision to expand it from the 100 people we were planning to have. So um, we might even we might even get more than that. We're really excited to expand the capacity for, for that. Programming looks good. We're going to have three tracks. The keynotes track that goes up uh, just after lunch. The breakout sessions that starts after lunch, which has um, conversations more than talks. Uh, it's all about participation and being working towards something together. And we have a hack room that starts at noon and finishes at 6 p.m. And the uh, the whole purpose of the hack room is every project in the ecosystem brings their own issues there for other people to hack on, play with. Uh, there's going to be some exciting new things that get announced in the morning keynote that you can hack on and play with during uh, the, the hack time in the hack room. Uh, we're going to have that available for everybody. Hopefully, um, hopefully there's going to be intelligent accounts to play with in one form or another. I'm not going to give you more spoilers. But the summit's looking good. If you haven't bought a ticket, if you haven't got a ticket at three yet, uh, I strongly encourage you to get one. Even if the um, the, the ticket says waiting list, that's just a two-step process we're using. So if you join the waiting list um, in like five minutes or so, you get a, uh, an approval for the waiting list, which you have to finish. We're trying to make it so people do, we make sure people do want to become the summit. Um, one of the other updates, uh, one of the, the other updates to the foundation is we are on a trip behind. We are on a trip to Nigeria trying to meet with financial services in the ecosystem. Uh, we've had a week full of conversations. We had a week full of conversations here in Nigeria. They're going really well. A lot of people interested in what Intelligent has to offer and a lot of people curious to see how they could put this into their product offerings. Uh, as well. I feel like uh, Chris has also an update around the grantees and the CFP, the financial services CFP. So I'm going to let Chris finish the uh, the Intelligent update. Chris? Hello, everybody. Um, I'm 
I was supposed to be with uh, my colleague Alex there and Brianna, but COVID had other other um, thoughts about that. So I'm excited for and rooting them on from afar. Um, this is an exciting community call today because um, this is the first one where we have invited our call for proposal, recent call for proposal winners in our financial services. I know I've been talking about that a lot on this call over the last uh, bunch of months. So um, they are now joining. We're asking that they have representatives at this call from their team. So welcome, everyone. I see a bunch of folks on there. And as soon as I stop talking, I will go ahead and post some links in the chat with the announcement and whatnot. So you can see um, if you don't know already or you're not one of them, actually, who was awarded those grants. But these are, you know, as you remember, the research and development grants towards building financial services in the interledger uh, ecosystem and network, digital wallets, neobanks, so on and so forth. Um, it's obviously a lot more detailed than that with these specific projects now. So we're amazingly um, happy that they're with us and you know, welcome all of those folks to the call. Um, this, uh, this is the one great place to sort of hear updates from everyone who's busy working and that will be you all soon enough um and so we look forward to your updates and your builds and your uh excitement and your ask for requests and help and all of that stuff um other than that as alex said we're, we're working towards the summit um and starting to plan for next year so i think that's it for interledger alex you and i I think I, I'm laughing things out in my excitement to hear about the financial services CFP because I'm tremendously excited about everybody. Some people already started reaching out to see how they could plug the tech into it, uh, and that's really good. That's really really good. Uh, on top of on top of that uh, research trip that we're doing and one of the projects that we're working on, and we're trying to see how that helps the financial services CFP is we have a a new work stream that we're working on with Mojulu to try to put Rafiki into a module network and to help facilitate that module is running a conference next no, the week after next in um, Zanzibar we're going to attend the conference give a short state of the intelligent overview and we're going to try to hash out exactly how Rafiki can be plugged into a module network essentially allowing an entire module hub to be connected to the intelligent without every participant having to to have a connection into the, the ecosystem by using a proxy, uh, financial services, a proxy in between. Um, we've also, you might have noticed uh, this on GitHub, but we've also have a new developer starting at the ILF working on Rafiki. I think Max is in, on the call, somewhere on the call. Max, do you wanna, <laughs> do you wanna unmute and say hi to people? Sure, uh, yeah, thanks for the intro, Alex. Uh, hey everyone, my name is, uh, my name is Max. I'm yeah, my, uh, my second week, I guess, officially at uh, Interledger. And yeah, working on Rafiki, very, very excited to um, uh, yeah, contribute to, to the repo, uh, to meet all of you and uh, yeah, work on building something awesome. Uh, yeah, background wise, I come from a Neobank, sort of uh, most recently, my, my experience, yeah, coming from Neobank. And now I'm really happy to be building something out in the open uh, for everyone. So uh, yeah, thank you for the the welcome guys. Thank you, Max. I think Max already finished his, uh, his first request and in this week. That was amazing. Started working on some new stuff. But if you'd like to, you know, be more like Max and help have your first pull request into a city, we are uh, trying a, a set of good first issues or good first bugs we need help with. 
it's also Oktoberfest season. So if you're a developer and you're looking for an extra t-shirt, we are doing t-shirts for pull request on the Rapid repo. Every pull request counts. Here's a, here's the link to select pull requests that I did to start with. And uh, if you can pick one of those, we'll send over a t-shirt as well from the foundation. I think that really concludes the foundation, the foundation update. Thank you so much. Thanks, Alex. Thanks, Chris, and welcome, Max. Um, next, I'd like to invite Sabine to share the update. So there's probably going to be some spillover here with my presentation later. But uh, within Rafiki, we have been working on the um, integration of the Rafiki backend with the auth server. It's still a work in progress. Um, we, we still have to figure out um, the, all the signatures that we need to generate and that we need to validate um, for open payments. Um, I'll talk about this a little bit later. Um, and to help with that, Max, Max actually um, agreed to spearhead another a new project within Rafiki, which is a, an open payments SDK that will strap all this uh, functionality away such that developers don't have to uh, implement that all themselves um, because like we're struggling with it, so we don't want to put this burden on, on everybody. Um, but yeah, making making progress, and um, I'm I'm pushing everybody to get their things uh, done because I want to show a demo at the ILC summit. So I'm very much looking forward to that. Awesome, thanks, Sabine. Uh, Adrian, uh, would you like to go next? <laughs> Ah, there we go. Thanks, Neil. Um, so, sorry, I missed last call. Um, been doing a bit of traveling and, and um, various other engagements. Um, update from our side: Yeah, we had a pretty bumpy last couple of months. Um, not sure if folks are aware. There's a bit of a bit of a crypto, uh, a bit of a uh, uh, like um, I don't know what to call it. FinTech winter that followed the crypto winter. So um, the CFPB, who's the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau in the US, um, released a report a little while ago uh, where they called out a couple of the banks in the US that are sponsoring fintechs um, for, in essence, poor governance of the projects, the programs that they're doing with them. Um, we've unfortunately had some bad luck there where the bank, one of the banks involved was the our original partner bank we had been working with. Uh, that's what set us back, you'll recall, a few months ago. Um, we had plans to be, be live with an MVP in July um, and unfortunately got set back by um, our sponsor bank being actually the subject, the main subject of that CFPB investigation. Uh, sadly, the public release of the investigation um, meant we had a double whammy. So the new sponsor bank we were working with got spooked by uh, the CFPB and, and I think a lot of FinTech sponsor banks around the US have, have been the same. Um, and they have also paused all new programs with, with small um, partners, with small startup partners. The crux of it is that the way the sponsor banks were working is, you know, they they offer effectively the full bank back end, including taking on all the risk and compliance risk and so on for um, the fintechs. 
And while they were focusing, um, I think, pretty well on their Bank Security Act obligations and their compliance and so on, what the CFPB was concerned about is uh, their focus on business model. And so I'm worried about fintechs launching products uh, with the bank signing up, you know, hundreds or thousands of customers who all put money into the fintech and then the fintech actually runs out of money itself and can no longer operate. And so now you've got customers with accounts at a bank, basically, and money in that bank, but the whole interface that they use to uh, transact has disappeared. Um, so yeah, it's been a, it's been an interesting journey for us figuring all of this out. Uh, the good news is we have, um, we've managed to, um, make a plan. <laughs> we found an alternative partner. They're not a bank. Um, they're uh, a FinTech themselves. Uh, they're not focused as much on enabling accounts, but more on payments. So actually a, a better fit for us and specifically cross-border payments. That's really a specialty for them. Um, cross-border out of the U S um, so we're right in the midst of wrapping up our integration with them and we, we're actually hoping to have um, something ready by the end of the month to get some beta users on board and give us some early feedback. The scope of the product is, is now trimmed down a little bit. Um, basically our go-to-market product will allow somebody to sign up, do a very basic KYC, link a debit card, link a bank account, do payments, um, peer-to-peer -peer payments um, uh, where the source of funds is the debit card or the destination is the is the bank account, um, but all facilitated with open payments and a payment pointer and, and so on. So that's, that's where we're starting and our roadmap is to continue adding different linked account possibilities um, as, as soon as we can. So we anticipate allowing uh, sending to a debit card pretty soon. And what that means is um, the funds clear instantly, which is really nice. Um, and then we've got plans um, to to roll out receive only payment pointers for things like mobile money um, and, and uh, allowing sending from a bank account using ACH uh, direct debit. We also uh, had a discussion with a partner uh, yesterday about enabling RTP as a, as a funding source. So that's the real-time payments um, rail in the US. So that would allow us to pull money in instantly. And then probably the most interesting feature that we'll be able to roll out by the end of the year, we, we believe we'll have access to um, the platform uh, in about a month's time. So we'll probably release it from our side around the end of November, early December is actually holding a balance. So you'll be able to have an internal balance. Um, it won't be a fully bank-backed account like we used to have where we were planning to have a full direct deposit account backed by a bank. It, um, it's a much more lightweight vehicle behind that. But what it means is the costs and the overhead of running that are much lower. So we're hoping that makes us a little more agile and allows us to offer um, like a really a much more compelling product around that. So that's, yeah, that's that's where we are. It's been another quite a big bump in the road, unfortunately, in terms of us getting getting live. Uh, MVP will still only be US focused just to get us going, um, but we're still actively looking at how we can uh, expand that beyond the US. And then I'm um, very keen to partner up with 
other folks who want to issue payment pointers um, and try and provide them with a technical platform to do that. You know, uh, anything where we can find a partner that is able to provide the financial services backing that, we can assist with, uh, you know, the, the technology piece on top and allow, um, allow folks to issue payment pointers, you know, anywhere in the world that, that we can make this work. Um, so excited about this new partner. They've got pretty extensive reach globally, and they're they're already uh, looking at adding new um, internal accounts in different currencies like Mexican pesos and Indonesian. Um, I think it's rupees, uh, and then you know a variety of others, you know pound sterling, euros, etc. So um, we're still kind of finalizing our roadmap on the back of all of that and all of these changes. Um, but very positive about that. And then um, on the sort of unrelated to the product, we'll be at the Interledger Summit. So myself and Matt, our CTO, are both planning to be there. Um, I have a talk uh, where I'll get into the details of payment pointers, you know, kind of the vision that we have for, for how payment pointers unlock, uh, you know, digital wallets and create this open ecosystem for digital wallets. Um, really, we were having a discussion with um, somebody the other day about this and, and the way I'm thinking about this is that we've got these platform wallets like Apple Pay and Google Pay, which we're forced to use because we, you know, we use the platforms on which they built. Um, and in many respects, what we want to build with open payments and payment pointers and interledger is sort of the, it's the Mozilla of that world. It's, it's going to be a, I think it's going to be a tough fight, but I think it's a, it's a fight worth having. We, we want to be the, the open uh, independent alternative that people have to, to digital wallets that they get from their, their platform. Um, so that's a kind of a, a little a taster of, of what I'm gonna be discussing at the, at the summit. And then Matt and I will be facilitating some hacks. Um, we plan to have the bulk of our API functionality with open payments available in a sandbox for folks to build on. Um, but what that means is you'll be building on our um, you know, on, on our pre-release product. So uh, soon after the summit, we're hoping to have everything that people build on in the sandbox in production and, and ready for folks to actually put, take into production themselves. So specific scope of that is not 100% nailed down yet, um, but we want to have as much of the open payments functionality available um, and enabled for everyone um, by the time we hit the summit as we can. We'll, we'll, we'll know the specifics close to the time. And that's it from our side, Manu. Thanks, Adria. Uh, next, uh, we, uh, YouTube was uh, supposed to be, uh, I think, uh, share update on COIN. Uh, Stefan, would you like to share update from, any updates from COIN for the community? Um, I don't know if I have much uh, in the way of updates. Obviously, we're very excited for the um, the event coming up. And I also have a, a project that I've been working on that um, I'm excited to share there. But uh, yeah, that's all I, I, I'm going to say for now. So everybody get hyped for the summit. Awesome. Thanks, Stefan. Uh, and we have, uh, we open up the space for questions for the uh, uh, update so far. So if anyone have any questions or thoughts, please feel free to unmute yourself and ask.
Great. So uh, we have uh, uh, Sabine agreed to um, came forward to do a session for us today for the community on uh, uh, what what is traffic key and how to get started. Um, uh, so we'll we'll uh, pass over to uh, Sabine for the session. Sabine, over to you. Sure. See if I can get the right screen shared. Oh no. Too many things open. All right, can everybody see my screen? Yeah, looks good. Thank you, Sarah. Um, so, Vanille asked me to do a, a getting started with Rafiki session, and I hope this is what he had in mind. Um, I realize now that we have all the, the FSP grantees on the call, that maybe I should have dug deeper on, other, on some other aspects that I'm, I'm going to. Um, I try to basically give it a high-level overview of everything that Rafiki includes, and I'm happy to do some more like deep dive into some parts um, later on if if that's necessary and people are interested in that. All right, so what is Rafiki? It was introduced by Stefan uh, quite some time ago um, as the all-in-one solution for Interledger wallets. So what does it mean? let's say we have a wallet it has some identity provider so um with it so it has some login and kyc functionality it has its own account service and then then they just can start up rafiki that does everything ilp the reason we wanted to have that is um that we've heard from wallets that have already um enabled some ilp functionality that it was a huge pain for them to implement that all themselves and then to maintain it um, and so we decided we we should help those wallets out such that we have much more wallets or even other kind of um, any kind of account provider um, to be um, ilp enabled so this is what rafiki is supposed to do um, the blog post that stefan published um, quite some time ago also had uh, a nice overview of what Rafiki should accomplish. So we wanted to do um, sending, receiving invoices, mandates, and apps. Uh, back then, we only uh, were able to do receiving. And like, if we are honest to ourselves, it's still the only thing we have is receiving. You can receive web monetization payments that Coil sends out to the, um, the pages that you browse. Um, Rafiki, when it's it's launched and, and is all enabled and famous, should give us everything else. Um, however, we did do some changes to uh, the nomenclature. So um, we don't have invoices and we don't have mandates anymore, but we call them now incoming payments um, for invoices. And then a combination of outgoing payments and grants um, for what we used to call mandates. Um, the reason we did that is that previously, um, 
when when we did open payments uh, version one the uh, we used um, OAuth 2 for everything off and um, try to shoehorn uh, our use case into the OAuth 2 way of doing things. Um, and then I don't know who it was, but somebody came across a new um, authorization protocol that's called GNAP. And that just makes things uh, much easier. Um, it allows us to um, define much more fine-grained access control and that uses this notion of grants so we have grants that say who can access uh, whose um, account and for what and yeah so apps uh, still the same and yeah sending and receiving that is um, SPSP incoming payments and outgoing payments plus grants is open payments and then apps actually is also kind of open payments so we want to um, connect apps to to your wallet and uh, you would probably do that via open payments so you would give an app access to your wallet uh, by allowing it to, to create incoming payments or outgoing payments on your account um, all right so that's what is what Rafiki should enable and that is how we are trying to do that. So that's the, the architecture we have right now. Um, again, I have the, the overall wallet here. It has its own identity provider and it has its own account service. Um, it has all this big thing of Rafiki. And then there are some third-party apps um, that consume some uh apis specifically the open payments apis um of rafiki and then we have the peers and direct ilp users that consume the stream endpoint um so those are all the 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 participants we have and then um the main thing that rafiki is is its back end um the back end has as i just said the open payments apis and i'll talk a bit about open payments um in a in, on the next slides um, um, and then it has the admin apis that the wallet itself um, will consume so um, basically whenever somebody sorry um, basically that is to um, to create a appear within Rafiki that is to um, add liquidity or withdraw liquidity from Rafiki so anything that the account uh, yeah the account provider itself would do that that it would do with the admin APIs we do have a bunch of um, databases that our backend needs so we have one that ha holds all the application data we have um, one that just holds the stream connection information and then we use Tiger Beetle um, for um, the balance logic. I mean, Tiger Beetle was explicitly designed to do balances, and uh, Rafiki uses that. And then a, a smaller part of Rafiki is its own auth server. And um, I just mentioned that before. We use um, an opinionated um, GNAP um, auth server. GNAP stands for Grant Negotiation Authorization Protocol. Um, and that stores basically um, the grants that decide 
who can create incoming or outgoing payments on, on somebody else's account. Um, that itself also uses a database to just store those grants. So um, uh, the difference, the main difference to um, to OAuth is where we there we have those usually those um, JWTs that encode all the um, information about the access, and the auth server itself can be pretty stateless. Whereas um, for GNAP, that's not the case. The access tokens are opaque; they don't store any information, and all the information about that access is stored um, with the Oh, yeah, with the auth server. Um, another difference that, that GNAP introduces is that it's not just access control via a token, but those tokens are actually bound to signatures. So um, every request to an open payments API endpoint has to be signed by some private key um, that um, when the backend receives that request checks that it actually um, knows who that is and um, there's basically an, an, an extra layer of security added there by adding a signature scheme okay um, i think i've actually talked through a lot of those things that i have on my next slides already so um, the admin APIs, as I said, is um, how wallets integrate with Rafiki. So it's a GraphQL API, and that allows the, the wallets to create and query assets, peers, payment pointers, um, clients, which are um, the keys um, for the signatures that I, I just uh, talked about, and then payments. So that could be open payments, incoming payments, outgoing payments, um, quotes to and it allows to add and withdraw liquidity from Rafiki. And then we have the open payment APIs, and this is how third parties integrate with Rafiki. These are RESTful APIs, and they allow um, you to create and query incoming payments, quotes, outgoing payments, and connections. Um, so I'm going to explain the open payments concepts a bit. Uh, we've talked about it on that call, but since we have so many new people um, this time, um, it, I thought maybe it's a good idea to explain those too. So um, I try to come up with some graphics of, of what how they could look like uh, in, in some form of UI. For incoming payments, it was specifically complicated because we don't really have that right now. Um, but basically, it's almost like think of your like when you when you um, go to your online banking, and there is uh, you you can see all your transaction history, and instead of just seeing uh, the payments that have already gotten to you, you can also see those that you are going to receive. Um, so um, the first one is I myself created an incoming payment. Um, for Alice to repay her her loan that I gave to her. I gave her a, a cash loan of 10 euros and I want her to repay me and um, I created this incoming payment. I'm basically waiting for Alice to um, send me my money. Um, and then there's also game store. Um, I have been playing an online game and somewhere in there is uh, has has 
purchased the sword from me and um i haven't received the money yet um like there has been a, a, a some sort of check and flow in the game but haven't i haven't received the money yet i'm waiting and as soon as um, this isn't pending anymore i will release um the sword and give it to bob um, but I have two incoming payments that are already completed. So I have already received my web monetization earnings for today. Um, uh, huge. So that's future talk. And then um, I've received a refund from shoe shop. I ordered some shoes and didn't like them, sent them back. Um, and the shoe shop actually created an incoming payment on my account to um, send back the the money that I paid on their store. Um, so incoming payments they can be created by myself and they can be created by some third party if they um, have the the right to do so with with a brand. Um, I also included the JSON blob of what all the information that an incoming payment actually holds. I simplified that a bit. So it has the incoming amount, but it also says how much has been already received. Um, so uh, pending could be nothing has been received or some of it has been received. Uh, I mean, pending on the on the image that I just showed. Um, right, but I'm not going to go too much into detail. I'm sure the presentation is going to be shared and then you can look at that there. Um, then we have the concept of a quote. And that is basically there to figure out how much it is going to cost me um, to to um, suspend some money um, via the Interledger network. So um, this example is again my shoes. I I want to I want to buy very expensive shoes, um, and I I. The, during the checkout flow, I get to this consent screen and it says Shushab wants to send $165 to its account for my purchase. And this will cost me um, 0.0088 Bitcoin because I decided to pay with Bitcoin here. And basically what happens under the hood is um, we check um, on uh, two things basically first how much is it actually going to cost me to send that via the interledger network but then also the wallet itself and here i'm, I'm using just dollar wallet dollar um that is maybe adding some fees on top of that so that's what the quote is for and then i can be like yeah i i, I consent to that um let shoe shop um send the money to itself or no this is actually too expensive i i stopped the purchase right here um again this is the the data structure that we have for that um and then finally um well not finally but the other big one is um the outgoing payment um i tried to do a demonstration of uh, that using the transaction example again um so i have up here happy donuts that wants to send 10 euros to itself because i i got got some donuts at at the donut store so when um paying at the at the donut store i decided to pay with interledger or via open payments and and i allowed happy donuts access to my account to send 
10 euros to itself. So this is what this little error is meaning. Happy Donuts actually created this outgoing payment and is going to send it to itself. And then I created uh, an outgoing payment on my own account to send money to Charlie. Um, that is uh, for some clothes that I bought. Um, I gave Coil access to my account on a, a recurrent basis. So that's what we, that we can do with outgoing payments as well. Um, you can um, specify subscription payments. So Coil is every month, Coil is allowed to create an outgoing payment on my account um, to itself for my uh, subscription fee of five US dollars. And then here we have uh, Shoe Shop, the original purchase uh, before I sent the shoes back. They created an outgoing payment on my account to send the, the money for my shoes to themselves. Um, yeah, that is um, that is the, the data blob. Again, I think it's not a good idea to go through that on the call. And then the last thing we have is a connection. And I didn't really know how to put that into a nice graphic. But basically, um, it is a way um, for, for making payments more privacy preserving. Um, we were thinking about the web monetization use case. And um, the way it works right now is that the extension locally creates all the um, uh, ILP packets and send them since then. So Coil doesn't learn about um, the places you have been browsing um, via, via the payment pointer. Um, and the, the new way web monetization could work with open payments, um, originally we thought we'll just give um, the web monetization provider the payment pointer, they'll create an incoming payment and um, then send the money. Um, however, that then breaks the privacy preserving um, a way of doing things that we had before. So um, we decided to introduce this concept of connection such that the browser or the extension can locally again create the incoming payment and then only um, give the, the information necessary for the web monetization provider to it. So that's basically the um, stream connection details. So it doesn't learn anything about the user where it has been browsing via this connection concept. All right. And then um, the open payments authorization, as I said, it's opinionated GNAP. So the author authorization server stores um, the details of the grants. Um, but like I said, it's like who can access accounts for what. Um, I think I said all those things. The tokens are opaque, and um, they are obviously the auth server also allows for token introspection. Um, every request on open payments needs an access token, and all of those requests have to be signed by a private key. Um, I have a flow diagram um, of how um, open payments payment is actually happening. And yeah, let me just walk you through that. So um, we have two participants here. We have a client and we have a customer. Um, with client, like think of the shoe shop. 
And then the client has some wallet provider that runs some Rafiki that is uh, the, the yellow part. And then the customer is on some other wallet that also runs some Rafiki that's the, the green. So um, the client will um, first create a um, grant request to be able to create an incoming payment. Um, to the auth server. It will get back the grant and access token pretty much right away because there's no interaction necessary. Um, incoming payments are just auth such that we can prevent uh, DDoS attacks. Um, so the client receives the grant and the access token and it will use this access token to um, do the incoming payment creation request to the backend. Um, the, backend i i skipped that part but it will validate the signature but it will then also do token introspection and on token introspection it will get back whether this token is valid and also all the grant details and check if this client can actually um, create an incoming payment if that's true then it will return the incoming payment to the client um um the purple means that happens on the front channel so then the client so shoe shop um, will prompt the customer to pay into this incoming payment. So it's basically, hey, here's your invoice. Um, please pay for that. And um, the customer decides to continue pay um, paying using open payments. So it provides a payment pointer. The client will uh, um, then query the customer's payment pointer and get back the details of uh, where to find the auth server to request for the, to request a grant to actually access the customer's uh, account. Um, it will do a a request for a quote an outgoing payment grant to the auth server of the customer, um, and the auth server will return information of how to actually get the consent of the customer to pay uh, yeah to pay to itself so again on on the front channel um the customer on lockout is redirected to the identity provider of the uh, of its wallet and it will see the consent something like the consent screen that i showed you earlier um are you do you agree to spend to to have shoe shop grab that much money out of your account, yes or no. And the customer will, in this case, say yes. And the, um, the client will be notified that the customer has, um, has interacted with, um, with the IDP. So the client can then do a continue request to the auth server. And um, the auth server will check, has the client actually accepted it did so it will return the grant and the x token and then um finally actually i think i messed something up here but finally it can um then um create the outgoing payment um and the back end will inspect the token again that the client has provided and um it will realize it's valid. It will additionally here at this step do some accounting. So it could be that there is a valid grant 
but the money that was allowed to be sent out of this grant has already been spent or has already partly been spent. So um, it will, the backend itself will do some accounting to check that there's still enough money available to spend under this grant. And if this check actually um, passes, it will send the money and return the outgoing payment details. The thing I messed up here is I should have done a different step for um, quote generation and um, for the outgoing payment because um, I told you that on the consent screen you already see the um, quote, but um, that would actually not have been uh, possible here. So that's what I messed up. So I have to redo this diagram and uh, add this additional step. So yeah, quite a few steps here and um, a lot of detail. I, like I said, I'm I'm happy to dive deeper into some of those things uh, later on. Um, yeah, Vinny asked me to also talk about the current status of things. So when we go back to this architecture diagram, the things that are still yellow are, that's what we're still working on. So um, we're making some final changes to the auth server. We're working on the integration between the backend and the auth server. And we also have uh, a mock identity provider that we're working on such that um, as a developer, you can actually play through this entire flow of an, an open payments payment um, with some interaction. So those are the things that we are still working on. And then um, the resources that I was uh, supposed to give you. So um, I, again, I hope this is going to be shared somewhere, um, probably on the forum. Um, but we have obviously the Rafiki GitHub repository. It's an open source project. So um, everybody can check that out. Um, in there, there is, uh, it's a little bit hidden, but there's a, a readme on how to get a local playground up and running. So this actually starts a, a mock account provider. It starts the entire Rafiki. It's actually on start, actually it starts two account providers and two Rafikis. Um, it peers it on startup. It already um, provides um, some liquidity for, for, for the peers. And um, you can then go ahead and interact with that either with the admin APIs or the um, open payment APIs. We have a Postman collection that um, has all the endpoints included and even some, um, some uh, example directories that when you, um, when you send the request in the order of, of the examples, uh, that are in this directory, you you don't have to look for the, the right ones. Um, so basically it's like create an incoming payment, then use this incoming payment to create a quote, use this quote, create an outgoing payment. So there's a little bit of, um, yeah, follow this tutorial and you'll, it, you'll get to where you wanna go. Um, then I have the open payment spec link here. Uh, I ha also have the auth server spec linked here. And then um, for people that want to learn more about the CNAP spec itself, also in uh, included the link here. And then next question, how to participate. Um, 
first of all, we have a roadmap um, that is public. So you can always check out what's happening with Rafiki right now. What are we working on and what, we, what do we want to work on in the future? Um, we have over 100 issues. So like Alex said earlier, um, go wild and grab some and um, help us get Rafiki over the finish line. We have a Rafiki planning call that's open that's every Monday where we basically talk about what we have been working on so far and um, discuss issues that we have currently. Um, and then obviously this uh, community call is also a good way to uh, find somebody that will um, help you with your challenges on Rafiki. All right, I think this is all I had. Awesome. Thanks a lot, uh, Sabine. Um, we'll take a couple of questions uh, if, uh, from, from uh, the participants if there, if there are any questions. I see GFAM has one question in the chat. No, I, I just answered it, but let me, let me say it out loud, I guess. Um, so I think it's worth pointing out what uh, Sabine's showing here is um, is technology, right? Rafiki's a, a, it's an implementation of all the interledger standards. But on the back end, what the wallet actually offers you, whether it's Bitcoin, XRP, USD, uh, is totally up to the wallet. So um, I think you, you've listed Uphold, MetaMask, and Zum in your um in your question i would say all of them could implement um could could run a rafiki instance to become part of this network so uphold obviously are already part of the interledger network they already issued payment pointers they can only receive payments today from coil um if they were to deploy a rafiki instance and get their systems upgraded um they could do this full suite of functionality that Sabine's talked about. Um, MetaMask and Zoom could likewise deploy Rafiki and do the same. Obviously, what that actually means on the back end for them and how they actually move the money in and out of their systems and onto the Interledger network is, is going to differ from wallet to wallet. Awesome. Thanks, Adrian. Yeah. So so I think like it's worth pointing out, I mean, Sabine, um, presentation is an amazing overview of of like all the functions, but it's worth pointing out that Rafiki is not a it's not a led it's it's not um, an account system. So the assumption that Rafiki makes is that you already have a system of accounts where you're keeping track of your users' money or their external accounts and where that money is. What Rafiki does is all the hard work in orchestrating payments of the interledger. Um, uh, as set up through open payments and tying them back to like a payment pointer. So the general flow is um, like if money's coming in, it comes, a message comes into Rafiki as a payment into a payment pointer. And then Rafiki notifies the account provider, hey, there's money that's come in over this peer um, and this is where it's supposed to go. And then the account provider says, okay, great, thanks. I'll credit the user's account. You can, um, you know, you can discard that in your kind of 
internal store. Sort of like a little ephemeral holding place for money as it's coming in and out the wallet. But the actual accounts that hold the money are not on Rafiki itself. That makes sense. I guess I was thinking about instances where you might receive a currency that you may not want or you don't have any use for. Um, but yeah, I think that makes sense. You'd, you'd need to hook it up with your different account providers. Yeah, I guess in, in your case, in that case, like uh, if someone wanted to send you a currency you don't want, it would be pretty hard for them to do that. Because remember, Rafiki's like it's it's handling a couple of layers of the interledger stack. You've got the interledger layer, which is where your wallet provider is actually got its incoming peer connections. And so those will be have some sort of settlement currency. Um, and then if your wallet offers accounts in other currencies, then they need to be able to convert from that peer settlement currency into the internal currencies of the wallet. So that's that's all sort of outside of the control of Rafiki. But once you've got that plumbing set up, then Rafiki makes it really easy to kind of facilitate all of this to, to actually accept the payment messages and so on. I think the really cool value add that Rafiki and Open Payments adds is the ability to orchestrate things like outgoing payments, basically create these APIs that allow you to do things like recurring payments and um, you know e-commerce checkouts where instead of you having to push the money to the store, you just give the store your payment pointer and they request the money out of your wallet and your wallet prompts you to authorize it and you say yes, and then the wallet sends the money out. And so it's a, it's kind of like building on the really, like the solid foundation you get from Interledger. Now you're adding kind of the use case specific to the application layer. Awesome, as long as Sabine gets her shoes, I think everyone's happy. I, I agree. Great. Uh, once again, thank, thanks uh, so much, Sabine, for uh, making this happen. Um, we'll have this uh, session. Uh, this session is recorded. We'll have this uh, shared in all our communication channels in the next couple of days. Uh, if you have any questions, you can uh, go ahead and uh, ask on the Slack channel. I'll just share the link on the chat. Once again, thanks everyone for joining for today. Um, we'll we'll uh, conclude the community call for today. Thank you, Minya. We'll Thank time. you for putting the Slack channel in there. That's another resource that I forgot to put in there is that we do actually also have a Rafiki Slack channel in within the Interledger workspace. So if you have questions, you can also reach out there. Thank you, guys. Thank you all very much.